You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors. Dedicated to all things Batman, the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe. As you all know, I am one of your hosts. My name is Philip Barker, and I am joined once again by my heroic co-host, Mr. Craig Blaylock. Craig, we're back in the cave. Back in the cave. I'm staying dry after just getting absolutely pummeled about two hours ago. Yeah, because you've been dealing with some thunderstorms and wetness and whatnot. Yeah. Lovely part about being in the Midwest. One second, it's bright and sunny. 20 minutes later, basically in a hurricane, 10 minutes later, back to normal. <laughs> well, buddy, we've got a couple things to talk about, but there is just something I wanted to let you know before we get to our business for the day. Happy anniversary. Yes. Happy anniversary. Yes, that is right. Yes. It's now, been a year. It's been two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, holy crap. <laughs> See, everyone, Craig's becoming more like Alfred every day. Pretty much losing his marbles but yes we are it was the 21st i think it was the 16th or the 21st when we launched our first episode in 2021 but uh july july 21st i believe was the first one okay so we're about a week late from our anniversary but oh i i've been streaming pokemon and craig's been you know spending time with his daughter addy and we've just like you know we've been busy yep but tis life but but again happy anniversary man yeah crazy as think it's already been two years right oh, wow two years considering like considering it took us what five six years to get this going and getting off the ground like trying to figure out what the theme was going to be what were we what were we were going to talk about all that kind of stuff yeah right like i remember in the early days we tried like i don't know a, a website we tried yep. uh bat brothers we tried like yep. bat bros I don't know. We came up with a couple different goofy names. We tried recording yeah. one really, really early on, back when I only had like a laptop and a and a and my snowball mic, which I still have. But the yeah, the- I remember that that one episode. I think I was on a like a cheap little Chromebook, and I was using the mic on that. I didn't yeah. even have a, a standalone mic, <laughs> and, and the audio was just 
abysmal. <laughs> no offense, but like it, it yeah, and, yeah. like listening to it, this was like what circa 20, 2016, like right? Yes, yeah. It yep. was either right before or right after Batman versus Superman came out. Yep. Because I think we talked about the Dark Knight. Like that was that was our topic of conversation. We just wanted to talk about the Dark Knight or something. Yep. Does that sound right? That sounds about right, right? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. But then it was in like June. It was like June of 2021, and um, I was sitting in my office, and I was looking at my Batman mural, and I had just been you know trying to come up with a name because I really wanted to do a Batman podcast. I'd been wanting to do one for years, especially after listening to Fat Men on Batman and a couple other different DC-centric or Batman-centric podcasts. I was just like, you know, there are probably a ton of different Batman podcasts on the internet already. What's one more going to hurt, right? Yeah. And I always told myself, well, not myself, I always told Craig, I was like, man, we really got to, we got to do that. We got to get it going. Mm-hmm. But then that, like, that, that last week of June, maybe even like first couple weeks of July, I don't know, I was sitting pondering and i looked at my 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 bookshelf and i landed on scott snyder's batman eternal and i just sat there and looked at it for a minute and i was like yeah that's a really great story i love that book and then i just kept looking at the word eternal and i was like huh and then i for the longest time i had always thought that batman eternal would be a good title for a film yeah because you know batman is eternal more or Mm -hmm. less and that's that's ultimately kind of like when I when it hit me with the name for the show, and I was just like, "Well, Eternal." And I thought about like all the different like Titan Knight titled books. Like you know, you've got Nightfall, you've got the White Knight, you've got you know the Dark Knight film, you've got you know Knight is just a, a word that's associated with Batman. And 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 when I just looked and I, I looked at Scott Snyder's Batman Eternal, and I was like, "The Eternal Knight." The eternal bat and i was just like yeah yeah that that rolls off the tongue really well it gets the point across batman is an eternal knight of the darkness so yeah yeah and i shot it to craig and craig was like yes yep and that is how the bat through flew through the window that's how we had our uh, giant man bat moment just staring at the giant bat in the room yeah right and 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 it was just it was it was again like it was just one of those moments where i was just like okay yeah this is totally totally gonna be a thing and then not too long after that like i remember for the first episode i did like a mock-up of like you know a couple different versions of batman and i did like the uh, the the font and like it was like kind of akin to how the the animated series had it Mm -hmm. and then I think for the second episode, I think right before we did that is when I, I, I made what we've been using for the last two years now, which is our, you know, just our simple bat logo with red eyes. And it's got, you know, just the Eternal Light of Batman podcast. Yeah, but I, I, I think we've talked about it before. I always like the red. I think the red matches really well. Yeah, you know, that was the thing. And I think the reason why I ultimately went with the red was because... I like that the symbol, the way I made the logo, it, it's 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 the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns bat. It's the big bat, but it's also through through an effect. Mm-hmm. So that way, it's it's yes, it's that logo, but it's also like you know, through a filter essentially. 
And then I decided yeah. to give it a bit of an identity with the red eyes because I like Batman Forever. I think that that big bat from the deleted scene has those really sharp red eyes. And I just like that idea, that concept. And then, you know, when I saw the red eyes, I was like, okay, well, then at this point, the font has to be in red, too. Yeah. Which is ironic, too, because then, you know, that, you know, later on, very early on, the Batman comes out and the whole theme color of that film is red and black. Yes. It's just red and black everywhere. Very good point. I think that was, matter of fact, that might have also been intentional for this too because of that movie yeah yep. as I sit here drinking a Mountain Dew Code Red what is the red theme tonight <laughs> are we going to watch the Red Book Edition Craig yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no we're not but I will say that that was a fun one that was recent mm-hmm. that was recent um, <laughs> you know what What also has a has a red theme to it what's that Batman and Robin Oh boy, I, I, I am only bringing that That's up because right. yeah. because of that episode we did the the drunken commentary to that movie. Yep. Oh man, Ugh. it's funny. That I, was a night we were we were supposed to get Terrence, but I don't know. We, we, timing just hasn't worked out. He, he we I got my weeks mixed up. I know he went he went on vacation either this week or last week, but I I am just yeah. really bad with with days and dates. So it's my fault, everybody. That comment, I, I'll never forget on that commentary episode. Like, we were we were making comments, we were throwing jokes out, and for the first know, hour, gradu- yeah, and we're gradually all getting you know a little more drunk as it goes on. And then I just remember, at one point, you just go, "We still have an hour left of this fucking movie." Yep. <laughs> and from there, when the realization came that like, oh my god, yeah, we still have another hour. It everything just came off. It just turned into nothing but like everything about this movie is awful, and just throwing every bit of shade we could at it. I would happily watch that movie over Thor: Love and Thunder any day of the week. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'd, give me Batman and Robin any day over that. I would I'd, I'd actually. You know, I still need to find that like that edited cut of where it's only the 45 minute version where all the yeah goofy yeah i remember you mentioning that yeah where most of the goofy nonsense is, is cut out and it's well well not most of it but you know enough of it is cut out to make yeah. it a, a competent watchable thing not to say that it's not because you know i think there's ways you can have fun with that movie but it, it's not necessarily a good movie you know? <laughs> <laughs> why anyone would think bringing George Clooney back as Batman is a good idea that that never seems to amazes me um, mm-hmm. but that that's a completely different conversation for another day I suppose um, you know another episode that sticks out is like our I think the second thing we did was a commentary to Mask of the Phantasm yep yep which is one of your favorites if not your favorite yep and now we're getting a 4K release of that. I just that just before we started recording, I put my pre-order down for that. So I'm all in for a 4K version of that movie. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say both Craig and myself are gonna get that in 4K, no doubt. Yeah, because well, I mean it's Mask of the Phantasm, <laughs> and there's also going to be um, another extra there, uh, detailing about Kevin Conroy, obviously, because he unfortunately passed away last November. Yeah. 
I don't quite remember what that that's that special is supposed to include, but it is. I just know that it's centric towards towards him. So that'll be exciting. Which it should, which yeah. it should be. I mean, that man is the voice of Batman. Right. Exactly. I mean, all all my life growing up, reading comics, any Batman comic that I read, it was Conroy's voice that I heard when it was Bruce or Batman talking. For me, for the most part, yeah. It usually is his voice. Um, in some stories that I've read, like other like Elseworldly stuff, not so much, because it really just depends on like the the take. Because like sometimes, it, yeah, it's it's Clooney you hear, isn't it? No, no. Um, you you hear a uh, this is why Superman works alone. When I read Dark Knight Returns, sometimes I hear Peter Weller. Uh, other times mm-hmm. I hear Kevin Conroy. But um, Sean Gordon Murphy's White Knight that one feels a little more um, Bruce Greenwood. Maybe even yeah. a little Jason O'Mara. But, um, you know, the the book I just got today, uh, Damien, Son of Batman, drawn by Andy Kubert. Um, that version of Batman, he's a little more older and withered, so I'd probably, again, probably go with Bruce Greenwood or even uh, maybe Weller as well. Um but you know, just some, just someone else. Like, the, like more often than not, or even another good example would be Batman Knoll by Lee Bermejo. Um, I don't hear Conroy's voice per se, but I definitely hear like an, an aged Batman because that story is very much about a very older Bruce. And yeah. you know, in that story, uh, the Robin that is dead is Dick because it's very like Christmas Carol-y in in certain respects. But there is also Superman in that story too. So you know, he's just older. Hmm. And actually, since you bring up Weller, that's probably something we need to look at for a future episode. Is we need to do a commentary of the Dark Knight Returns Part One and Part Two. Oh man, that is. I have the deluxe edition. Yep. So you know we can do that. We can do two parter for both. I think I yep. might have done that for superhero stress, but I absolutely would not mind doing it again for the show. Yeah. Then again, superhero stress no longer exists, so there's there's that too. <laughs> Not to say that in a, in a in a bad way. It's just you know, it's just the way yeah. Cookie Crumbles. That was my first show. It was something I you know have near and dear to my heart. But you know, there are just some people that were on that show that I no longer associate with, and and you know, they can stay in the past where it belongs. Yeah, that's the most respectful way I think I can say that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like um, I would absolutely be down for the Dark Knight Returns commentary track for you know both parts or the the, the deluxe like I, i'm gonna have to double check because i know i've got the deluxe and probably i think blu-ray yeah yeah it's i think it's down there in blu-ray but i know for sure i've got the two parts in dvd nice i think i might even own it digitally too in both parts yeah i think i do oh wait no i'm thinking of <laughs> well i i was thinking of watching it on max that's what i was thinking of so technically i don't own it but... <laughs> through the max app which through good old max good old max right like we're gonna have to get the max app again here very very shortly both craig and myself but craig and i have yep. also just shot the shot the idea of just sharing an account yep that way we can just save money and and you know not worry about stuff like that yep and so we can also watch episodes of batman the Animated series and Harley Quinn. And Harley Quinn. <laughs> Honestly, Harley Quinn's one of the motivators why I want to go back to Max. Yeah, yeah, same. That show is is, you know, I was actually thinking about this earlier before we started recording, and like how uh, 
you know, Marvel and DC have their own respective characters that kind of, you know, they can be satirical and they can break the fourth wall. And like, you know, for Marvel, it's obviously Deadpool. For uh, for mm-hmm. DC, it, it's absolutely Harley Quinn. And I think yep. that this show in particular, the Harley Quinn show that they, 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 they do on Max, it started on DC Universe and then went to HBO Max, now it's Max, whatever. That's confusing and ridiculous. But, you know, f- I remember when the show was conceived and, was announced and people were just like what who the heck wants an r-rated harley quinn show like who asked for this like this is gonna be a brand killer and it's like oh no this thing is like one of the best things for the brand in a long time yep i was in love with the show from the first episode i was all on board for it you know i think alan tudyk doesn't get enough credit as like a voice actor i think he's a very accomplished one but him as the joker is actually yeah he's really good he's hilarious And I think that it's it's Alan Tudyk just as a person, you know, he's kind of a Joss Whedon defender, so that's not really my bag. But yeah, even even still, like I think his voice turn as the Joker is actually pretty hilarious, especially that 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 season one finale with him finding out Bruce Wayne was Batman. <laughs> yeah, that that whole bit with him oh, having yeah. a, having a meltdown and killing Scarecrow, killing the Scarecrow. Oh, that was <laughs> melting that, his face. Yeah, that was great. That was all aces, straight up. Yeah, it was. That was probably one of the best scenes from that series, I think. Oh, his just his reaction to that was just perfect. Just absolutely. And the show perfect. also gave us, in my opinion, the best Poison Ivy. I oh, I absolutely adore Poison Ivy in that show. I will not disagree at all. I actually really love this version of Poison Ivy. I actually really like that this season, I actually like that, that they, they use the super villainy or the super heroics or whatever as like, you know, they treat it like day jobs, but then, you know, they yeah. have like interpersonal relationships with each other. I actually find that very endearing. You know, they kind of make the characters feel a little more real. Like, you know, for instance, in season one, they, they, they go to, the penguins nephews bar mitzvah and they totally <laughs> yeah. screw it up for everybody <laughs> i and love it, that episode it, it, it just feels like you know su- superhero comedy done tastefully yep but i am while while also being vulgar and bloody and violent <laughs> oh sure yeah there's that too i think that does work well because you know we're talking about Harley Quinn who carries around a giant hammer and a bat from time to time and she just mm-hmm. you know has absolutely zero issue just cracking skulls or jumping on legs and just being viciously violent it it it's it's well within the character like you know it's all it's all gravy for me what shooting at that one episode <laughs> she shoots the guy with the cancer gun oh <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. like she's yeah. like she looks at the gun she's like why would anyone invent this and the guy's like crying he's like i'm gonna go home be with my family and i was like that was so hilariously dark Mm-hmm. <laughs> or even like in season three when they decided to make her Bruce Wayne's therapist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, they this this show the show does things that are just like, oh yeah, there you mm-hmm. go, that's a good idea. Like that one, for example. Like, oh yeah, everyone always says Batman needs to go see a shrink, he needs to go see a therapist, and you know, yeah. obviously the, the the first instinctual thing would be, oh, well, Doctor Leslie Tompkins, sure, right? Yeah, but then when you think about it from a humorous standpoint, who's, who's the one therapist that would absolutely make it funny? Yeah. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. And I also do like that they go through her trauma too, and they go through mm-hmm. her background and how she met Joker and how that 
all of that came together and how when they met with when her and ivy met they were all just you know they felt it felt very in line with who those characters were in 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 a time frame sense right like you see them as they are as the villains that we've always seen them to be and to be like also treated as people I, i don't know i just think i just think the show is just very smart in in the way it depicts its characters and how you know it's very relatable in certain aspects and the fact that it's also a satirical superhero show but it's not even about superheroes it's about harley quinn who's a villain yeah, it's more about the villain side, to be honest. Right, and this season, you know, is going to be like we, we it, Poison Ivy and Harley are still together, but now Ivy is the head of Legion of Doom, and Harley Quinn is playing vigilante with the Bat Family, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, how is this even going to work? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I like uh, Kaylee Coco as as Harley Quinn. I also really like Lake Bell as Poison Ivy. I like uh, they're just yep. great for those roles and those voices like i, I have absolutely zero zero issue with either yeah, their chemistry in that show is fantastic too too perfect i also like that damian wayne's a little snot and he sounds <laughs> yeah. like a little snot see it's yeah. it's for me it's the reverse of the teenage mutant Ninja turtle movies i like that damian sounds yep. like a 10 year old and acts like a 10 year old whereas with teenage mutant Ninja turtles oh it's super intentional and on the nose and i'm like yeah i don't really like that yep but you know damian wayne 10 year old snot and Harley Quinn is his super, is his is his arch nemesis. <laughs> yep. That was funny. That was a good episode. The whole arch nemesis thing. That was that was hilarious. And Diedrich Bader voices Batman reprising the role from uh, Brave and the Bold, which makes total sense. Wow, I never put that together, honestly. Yep. Didn't think about that one, did you? Not at all. Yeah. Like I, I think he's actually I think that transition from Brave and the Bold to this is actually very, very perfect because the animation styles are, are kind of similar, but not, yeah, not exactly the same. Like you can tell, and Brave and the Bold did have that kind of at times it had that kind of satirical take to it. Exactly, and so like it's funny to me because if you think like from a from a time frame kind of perspective, you can look at like, uh, Brave and the Bold maybe taking place in like you know the the. The, the 70s or the 80s maybe even the or the early 90s and then harley mm-hmm. quinn jumps the timeline to you know 2000s 2010 modern day, modern day yeah. right and and that's why you can justify having dick as nightwing and damien as robin and why harley quinn's now you know where she is and how the joker like all, all this and how all the other dc characters can factor into it but again it's 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 a, it's a very loose loose timeline it, it, it's just in my head like if there was a spiritual successor to, to batman brave and the bold it's probably harley quinn yeah more than likely and i think you know having the Dietrich Bader connection there just just kind of reinforces that a little bit just a little bit yeah now do you I, i've seen that they do that's the thing about HBO Max and a couple of these other streamers is that they're actually willing to do physical releases of this of their content and I've seen the Harley mm-hmm. Quinn show in physical form and I'm tempted to buy it more often than oh, not. Oh, I didn't I even do. know there was a physical release. Mm-hmm. They did it for Titans, which well, we all know how I feel about Titans. But that's just my point. Like they 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 do this stuff in physical form, which I think is something that Disney should do but they're not and I think that's a foolish idea on their part. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. But no, I think when Harley Quinn's all said and done, I think I will probably buy it in in a physical format. Because I I honestly don't know if they're going to do 
a uh, a fifth season. Yeah, it is kind of. I mean, with everything going on with Warner Brothers Discovery, who knows at this point? Well, I mean, immediately, um, there's probably no traction on anything. Yeah. Right, because, well, <laughs> strikes are still going on, so I don't think any movement on on anything yeah. is going to happen for a long while. Um, but yeah, I, I think Craig and I might dedicate an episode to Harley Quinn season four once we get all that squared away. If not, maybe episodic updates. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what else is on digital that we can watch? Hmm. The Flash. Oh, I don't want to go through that again. I <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> apparently, it well not apparently it it's out on digital now, and it, it's it's at the top of the charts for all VOD markets, be it iTunes, be it Amazon, be it uh, Vudu. Really? Yeah, it's at the top of the charts. Oh wow! Even the uh, NFT version? Maybe. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, um, I couldn't believe that. But again, like to kind of, uh, it's 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 kind of like the things we've talked about before. Like it, it's it's very indicative of where people are as far as, mm-hmm. as superhero films go. And like if they want to watch it in the privacy of their home that's their choice and i think the flash being at the top of the digital market is is very indicative of that yeah i mean just the cost of going to the movies now it's not i mean we're past the days of like oh i'll, I'll spend you know eight ten bucks go see a movie no <laughs> well that's <laughs> Those just days it. Are gone you can't spend eight to ten bucks on a ticket anymore because the the cheapest at least for me is a tuesday matinee showing it for thirteen dollars yep. And that's just yep. the ticket. That's not, and that's yep. if I go buy the ticket outright at the theater. That's not including the, the 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 extra fee from using the Fandango app. Yep. But that's just it, right? We 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 live in a world of convenience. So, again, like the fact the Flash is is out digitally, and there's a lot of deleted scenes that are making the rounds now too. And I'm like, you know, some of the stuff would have been better served in the movie. Yeah. Like a certain Batman being in it. Yeah, right. Oh, mm. did we we didn't get the chance to talk about that because that came out with, with in between our last episodes. So yeah, we I guess yep. we can chat about that. You've seen the images of Bruce Wayne behind the green screen, you know, more specifically oh, yeah. Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne. Yep. And what is arguably like the best version of this suit they used for this movie with the silver Batman emblem. Yep. Oh my god, dude. Absolutely loved it. I would have loved to have seen what that scene was about. I don't know because it's... because I think we even talked about this like you know this film went through three different leadership changes right yeah and my question that I that I posed when we reviewed it was what was the what 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 way did Andy Muschietti want to end this film and then I see that deleted scene and I'm like yep I yeah. bet you anything that's what he wanted to do yeah, I almost want someone to, like, ask him in an interview, like, what did you want the ending of this film to be? Right. Right. Because when Walter Hamada was still the head of the film, the ending was only going to include Michael Keaton and Sasha Kaye. When Pam DeLuca, uh, or sorry, when, when Pam Abdi and Mike DeLuca, I always get their last names mixed up. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it, 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 when, 
when it comes to the head of Warner Brothers, you know, it's always usually been one name. First, it was Toby Emmerich before him, Sujihara, right? Like now it's and now it's 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 Pam Abdi, Mike DeLuca. Yeah. When they were briefly in charge of the DC stuff, they reshot the ending to include Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot. And then James Gunn gets named head of DC after Black Adam kind of fumbles at the box office, even though it's made more money than the Shazam film yep. or Black or The Flash, which is yep. shocking. And but, first thing he does is Cavill's out. Right. First thing he does is oust Henry Cavill. And then he decides to bring back George Clooney for The Flash. Sure. And it's just like, all right, cool. I don't actually mean that, but you'll get, <laughs> you'll get what I'm going for, right? Yeah, for yeah, I'm sure anyone who has listened to our Flash episode knows how we feel about that ending. Oh, I'm sure they do. Oh, man, that that that's part of the reason why that movie just did not work for me at all. Like that that yep. that ending really just kind of killed it for me. Kind of like yep. Justice League War World. Oh yeah, I've have not been hearing nice things about War World. I, I haven't got a chance to see it yet. I might. I might check it out this week, but at this rate, I might just wait and see if it ends up popping up on Max or something. Before we get, before I we get, before we get into the reception doesn't be good. Before we get into the other Batman-related thing, I'll just say that Justice League War World was pretty disappointing. Um, mm. I'm sure Craig and I will probably do an in more in-depth discussion on it when he watches it. But as of right now, um, this is arguably, without question, the most disappointing movie in the Tomorrowverse movies that I have seen, starting with Man of Tomorrow up till now. But yeah, it it, mm. it just was not, wasn't it? Was not it? Which is such a shame after you know the absolute blast that I thought Doom that came to Gotham was. Yeah, that movie's great. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. And I've been kind I've been half and half on a lot of these Tomorrowverse films. None of them have really have really wowed me. I'd say they're all about if anything average to me. Sure. So like War World seemed enticing. I mean, I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, "Okay, it's going to be R-rated. You've got the Trinity in it." But then <laughs> then the uh first opinion or the first impressions were starting to come out and I was like oh no you know uh, my buddy Travis Hines who runs the Animation Nation had me on for an episode of his show for this movie specifically and we me and him we talk about animation all the time we talk about a couple different things but but this film in particular was just we similar sentiments echoed like we're kind of you know 50-50 on the tomorrow verse as a whole some movies we like more than others, but this one we're, we're both in pretty much lockstep on. Uh, I would say that the best thing in it is the Batman stuff, but th- again, I'm biased. We have a Batman show, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the, but then again, like the the story they did for the Batman portion of War World was very inspired by something Grant Morrison did, so I appreciated that. That's all I'm mm. really going to say about that film. Um, but yeah, go anyone listening, by all means, go check out the Animation Nation and other Geek Ultimate Alliance Network with my buddy Travis Hines. He's part of that network. That's his show. Uh, I, I was on. I I will be on for whatever whenever he decides to release that episode for Justice League War World, which I think should be releasing relatively soon, sometime in the next week. So nice. Yeah, I'll I'll post it from our page on Facebook, the Eternal Night page. Um. Yeah. Um. That, that's kind of all I have to say about Justice League World for the moment until Craig watches it, but there was another thing that came out of um, 
in wake of, of the Flash being on top of the digital market, Andy Muschietti's been answering questions, or rather he was he was not answering questions. I think there's like some portion of a commentary going around where he talks about, or he might have been asked about Keaton's Batman and how bat like why his bat why his version of Batman quit, why Keaton's Batman gave up being Batman. You know, yeah, we got, I did hear about this. We got the line in the movie, oh, you know, Gotham is like the most safest city in the world now, da, da, da. but um, apparently, according to Andy Muschietti, the reason Keaton's Batman quit being Batman was because, wait for it, he killed a criminal in front of their mm. child. Yeah. And, of course, this in turn sparked um, the usual Batman kills doesn't kill conversation, as it uh, was. The as, same tired uh, argument. Yeah, every single time, of course, you know, and, but but you know, this time, people up in arms. You know, Michael Keaton's Batman ruined, da, 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 and it's like, um, yeah. wait a minute, you're, now Michael Keaton's Batman's ruined. Um, did mm-hmm. you guys not watch either eighty nine <laughs> or Batman Returns where he willy nilly kills criminals left and right with little to no remorse, yep. and even at some point smiles when he does it? Or no, uh, you know, in in eighty nine when he threw that guy, you know, from the bell, yeah. Uh, he he there was a cushion he put a cushion down there didn't you see that part or you know um the part where he stuck some dynamite on big boy and <laughs> dropped yeah. big boy down a, a sewer patch yeah he he threw he threw a pillow down there too he, he's fine right even though the dynamite blew up he's still fine yeah when he lit that uh when he lit that one guy on fire in batman returns that was um that was cold fire it's the new invention just gives you the effect of fire, but it actually just numbs him. It was all a practical joke. The guy was wearing heat-proof devil armor. Yeah, the, the, yeah. it was. It was a plan. And Batman thing. knew that. That's <laughs> Batman knew that. That's why he lit him on fire. Right. Or you know, the, he, Batman totally gave all the people in Axis Chemicals time to to run out of it before he blew it up. <laughs> yeah, that was that that one. That's the one that always sticks out to me when people are like, "Well, Batman doesn't kill." Um, he blew up an entire building with people in it. Guys, he had. <laughs> Stormtrooper aim when it came to firing on the Joker from the Batwing. Yeah. Like, you can't sit here and tell me Keaton's Batman isn't a killer because he is. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, this this revelation, I just kind of shook my head and I was like, alright, that's... Yeah. I, I get it. You want to enforce the, the symmetry of, you know, him mirroring the, 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 the whole Joe Chill thing, sure. But it's like, yeah. Batman killed again. What else is new? Yeah, but that's the thing, and I think that's what would would have made that more impactful for us to find that out in the film, because we, you and I, and people of common sense know that Batman kills at least Keaton's Batman in the in that universe. Right, right. But the big difference is he killed someone this time, and their child saw him do it. Right, which would wreck. Bruce. Now, I would also argue that he's done this before in Batman Returns, or rather, he kind of pulled a Christian Bale, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't have to kill you, I don't have to save you either. He let the yeah. penguin die, and then watched the penguins, like, you know, bring him out. Those penguins were the penguins' children, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. They weren't human kids. That's the difference, Craig. Yep, <laughs> they were. They, they were animals. Okay, <laughs> enough of my dark humor. But yes, like the, the, I think. I don't know. I think it 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 doesn't make it a little more impactful. Sure, but I also think mm-hmm. that would it kind of contradict him saying that Gotham is now the safest place in this in in the world. But it's like, uh, is Gotham safer now because you're not Batman anymore? 
Yeah, that was that line was really confusing. Like there was no follow up, but like, okay, yeah, you stopped being Batman because Gotham is now safe. What made it safe? Right. <laughs> was it the fact that you killed a criminal in front of their child? Yeah. Was Suddenly that... all the villains all the villains were like, Oh, he's serious. We give up what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean the whole Batman killing thing. That's a that's just an inevitable conversation when it comes to Batman in live action. I think people clutching their pearls when Ben Affleck did it, but you know, praised Keaton or Bale when they did it is, mm-hmm. is a little hypocritical, as we've talked about before on the show. Um, matter of fact, I actually made the internet mad once again with my hot take on Batman vs <laughs> Superman. That was so great, and people are still mad about that. So apparently, if you say that that the Dark Knight and Batman vs Superman are in the same league of of like filmmaking the internet will tell you how wrong you are. So I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. Crazy that you have an opinion. I I just think that from a a technical standpoint, you know, Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan just took this this character and and took some of his most iconic opponents and, and, and gave them meaningful stories to tell opposite. Like, you know, you have a very interesting heat style Batman Joker confrontation in The Dark Knight and you have a very philosophical confrontation with Superman and Batman v Superman and and you know in in certain regards like Nolan and and Snyder kind of broke down Batman and built him back up in the same movie because they both kind of took a deconstructionist perspective to said character but it's so funny how one gets one massive mouth of praise the other one just gets absolutely chastised and rejected so yeah, but no, he said Martha, which in- instantly makes the movie absolutely horrendous. See, there's another parallel, too. You know, Batman actually seeing himself become Joe Chill, realizing it's not that good of an idea, and then backing off and realizing yep. he's human again. Whereas Keaton's Batman no. absolutely just went through with it without without question. And it's like, okay, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that actually feels more in line with your version of Batman because, again, you have demonstrated in the past and past iterations that you have absolutely zero issue killing people. So it's so funny to me that so many Batman fans like they use that that Batman doesn't kill shit as like some defense mechanism for the for the character's identity and personality. And yet more often than not, when you ask them who their favorite live action Batman is, they are so quick to say Michael Keaton. Keaton, which if you really think about it, too, in Batman 89 and Returns, they never reference the fact that he doesn't kill. He doesn't ever have a conversation with anyone about crossing that line which is that's what's so funny to me he never references it at all not in a conversation with Vicky Vale or Selena Kyle or Alfred not once do they have a conversation about why he shouldn't cross that line because he's already crossed it dude look at the end of Batman 89 he totally didn't give a shit if Joker lived or died I mean, he he made sure he died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he right? wraps that he wraps that grappling hook around his leg and attaches that statue. Yeah, and once the statue breaks, he doesn't try at all. No, not because at all. he wants to see the guy die. Yeah, because in that universe, he killed his parents, which right. I don't like. But eh, you know, different strokes, different folks. And you know, I think that's always going to be a point of contention for me for Batman eighty nine. That's why I like Batman Returns more than I like Batman eighty nine. Yeah. Simply because it doesn't include that 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 creative difference to that story. Like the the story to me just yep. feels more 
you know, like a Batman story because, you know, we don't have to see the origin. It's just, you know, Batman yeah. is plopped right in. We're in Batman's world. We see the penguin. Like, it's more of a penguin movie. We see the origin, the rise, the fall, the death. Like, we, it, it's more or less a movie about the penguin. The nose biting. Oh, man. So perfect. Could be worse. Could be having blood gushing out of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, remind me for Christmas we need to do a commentary to Batman Returns. Yeah, definitely. Because that 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 is just still it like, is it is a Christmas movie. Folks. It is a Christmas movie. You're right, but truthfully, like, like of of my before the Batman, before Batman versus Superman, like of of the four, you know, the the Burton Schumacher flicks for the Red Book edition is just might edge out Batman Returns, but for the longest time, Batman Returns was my favorite of the four. Hmm. Mine's always mine out of those four has always been forever. But again, I think I talked about it in our Red Book one. Like that was the first one I saw in theaters, like first live action Batman movie I saw in theaters. So I oh, think sure. that's why it just it just it resonated with me so much. Oh sure, yeah, I don't I don't disagree at all. I'm I just just preferentially over years over time I've I, I've given it a lot of thought. It, I always go back to Returns as yeah. like from from that era. Like that one was always the one I went to the most specifically for you know Danny DeVito and and Michelle Pfeiffer and like you know the the gothic nature of that movie and just how much darker it is than 89 yeah so what you're saying is you like the villains in that movie yes very much so very very much so I think uh DeVito and 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 Michelle Pfeiffer absolutely delivered in what they were you know set out to do with those characters like I I think uh Honestly, the look of DeVito's Penguin has influenced the character visually for the last 30 years. Oh, yeah, for 100, sure. 100%. Because, obviously, uh, the animated series Penguin, like, when they first... the Before the, the animation changed, like, if you look at that version of the Penguin, it is straight up Dana DeVito's take. Mm-hmm. They may not sound the same, but visually he looks damn near just like him. He's even got the uh, the penguin hands like Devito did. The penguin hands, the top hat, the monocle, and even the sharp beak nose. It was all yep. spot on, which is ironic because when they did the Joker, the when they had people doing the voices, when when Mark Hamill went and auditioned, they had like you know they had the the cutout for it, and it said "Don't do Nicholson" or "Don't think Nicholson." Oh, really? Yep. Which Interesting. I think it was smart because you know when you have an animated series debuting alongside a live action present or a live action take too, and you know, you've got, you know, if you're going to do episodes based around characters that will appear in that movie, I think it would have been, I think it was smart on their point to be like, yeah, let's make the penguin look like DeVito, but let's not have him sound like DeVito. Whereas if you look at the Joker, you could argue that Jack's Joker and Mark Hamill's Joker look visually similar, I would say that, that, you know, obviously Jack's hair is more greener because when you're doing animation, green is not going to pop as well on black paper. Yeah. So it had to be changed. So there's visual differences. But I also think, again, it was very, very smart for Radomski, for Tim, for for Paul Dini, for all of them to be like, yeah, no, we we want our own identity. And that's why, you know, Kevin Conroy is Batman. That's why Hamill's the Joker. That's, oh, man, I don't remember who voiced the Penguin. But, like, you know, that's why they all have their own distinct identities. Whereas, you know, you could argue Batman Returns is a straight-up Tim Burton movie, and I wouldn't dare question your thought process on that. Oh, for sure. But yes, speaking of villains, it's funny you mentioned See, that. 
Yeah, so you would say that those villains, they work for that universe. Yeah, right? Like, did you ever think about, like, what other villains could have worked in that world after you'd seen a movie? Oh, yeah. After you'd Absolutely. seen that movie? Like, you know, obviously, yeah. there's debate about whether or not, you know, all four, you know, the, the two Burton films and the Schumacher films are all in one continuity, obviously. Um, I'm of the mind that, yeah, since since Alfred and Gordon are there, yeah, you could just... Yep, I'm... Make, I agree with that yep yeah so yeah you know you could say that that keaton's batman would eventually go on to fight you know mr freeze and poison ivy and you know riddler and two-face whatever um mm-hmm. i always thought about what other villains could have worked in those movies before you know we got you know batman begins and the dark knight and then you know of course batman versus superman and the batman and things like that like when it comes to a live action batman anything it's i think it's that that's the funnest thing you probably could do is like oh what villains do you think could work in in that universe yeah and i thought about this specifically after the dark knight because there's always been conversations about what kind of villain could have been or should have been for the third movie instead of Bane or whatever, or just what other villains could have been thrown in in general. And I shot this idea to Craig after we'd done our commentary, and it, it was just a few days yeah. after, I think. Yeah. So Craig and I decided to do that for the Dark Knight universe. Which villains do we think could have worked in the in this world? Now, And Nolan's more... I guess you would say grounded a more realistic world. Correct. Now, do you, we have, I have a couple, um, honorary mentions and I know you've got one too, but we're, as we like to do these things, we go from five to one. We don't talk about who we have on our list before recording, uh, just to keep it superbly fresh. But I would imagine that some of our stuff is probably going to lapse and cross over because we have alluded to who we have or would have liked to have seen in this universe before if you've listened to any of our other episodes. Yep. So I'm sure at least at least one or two is probably going to be the same. If I had to guess. Not yeah, not so. not numerically, but I I think our lists probably have one or two of the same names on them. Yeah, I'm thinking so. So your first one, your first honorary mention, I'm gonna guess is Baby Doll, right? That's that's for Terrence, right? Oh, uh, you beat me to it. Yep. It's oh wow. I was, I was you know what? Wow. I was I took a <laughs> shot in the dark with that. I, I at first I was gonna say Condiment King, but I I was like, no, I kind of want to piss Terrence off. So yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say Baby Doll. Okay. Could you imagine Baby Doll in the Nolan verse? Who would you cast? <laughs> oh man. That's the tougher question, even, right? Yeah, I don't know. I almost feel like you'd have to make it a child actor. Because I mean that is Baby Doll's thing is that she's an adult in the body of a child, or because of the I would do that she has. a younger actress, but then I think I might the get Sarah, I think I would get Sarah Silverman for the voice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> yep, I can see that. Uh, no, I, I don't. As much as I would like that, I don't think Sarah Silverman and Christian Nolan share same sensibilities. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but um. Yeah, baby doll. That 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 feels mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, could you see that in the in this dark, gritty world? You got baby doll running around. I could see, I could see a real take on on you know that kind of trauma for a person to be stuck in a child's body and still be an adult. I could see that yeah. kind of making 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 the rounds and working. Um, I had a honorary mention that I thought could work. Clock King. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about Clock King. Because he was only in the one or two episodes of the animated series. And yeah. his he's got a very, very basic, easy, relatable human quirk to his villainy. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, there, there's there's a way you could do someone like Clock King in, in The Dark Knight. Well, and he, yeah, if you think about it, I mean, like his origin story in the animated series his company went under because he was late to that court hearing yes that could very well work in the nolan verse if you think about it no poverty is very much a a point in that universe so yes yeah true um the other one i had was phantasm oh that would be cool i didn't even think about that one on my list i actually thought for sure that one would have been on your list yeah yeah, no, that would be awesome. So I mean, the, I, I still hope for the day that we do get Phantasm in a live-action film. I don't think it'll ever happen, so but the, the, I, would, I would lose my mind if it did. The only reason it's an honorary mention on my list is because of the fact that Rachel Dawes kind of takes elements from Andrea Beaumont. Andrea Beaumont. Just yep, a little I, bit. Yep, I agree with that. So it would have felt very murky to do that alongside or after the fact of having Rachel Dawes in the films. Because, you know, how do you justify having Andrea Beaumont if Rachel Dawes was there the whole time, you know? Yeah. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, what if that had happened in The Dark Knight Rises? What if Rachel didn't die and she came back as the Phantasm? (sighs) See, that's a great idea. That's a really great idea. That's such a great I mean, idea. How, it's how too good. To, it's have, too good to yeah. happen, though. <laughs> yeah. How could she have survived? Absolutely no way. But I mean, this, these are comic book movies. Alfred. There's going to be a way she could survive. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alfred, Alfred got there. Before Alfred everybody. got there before everyone <laughs> saved her. Sent her off to Italy in an undisclosed location. Had her entire identity changed. <laughs> and then she comes and back never, in the, and never told Bruce. And then she comes back in the third movie. Selena Kyle. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah, you know, I I I actually wouldn't mind that. If there was a way you could save Rachel Dawes and ever come back and be the phantasm, that would have been pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean it would have been better than Hey, surprise, I'm uh Talia Al Ghul in the last fifteen minutes. Oh, well actually it also gonna, I'm not gonna get hmm. weirdly enough, it also would fit too, because who is the one who put her in, in, in there? The Joker. Mm-hmm. And who yep. and who killed her father in the end in, in mask of the phantasm you know all, yep. all four of the bosses but who was a part of that the joker the joker and who is the final confrontation with the mask of the phantasm the joker the joker yep but see there's the caveat yep Heath Ledger you, can't, path. you, you can't, can't do it you can't have yep you yep. can't have Heath Ledger come back yep oh could you imagine how different that movie would have been had he not passed away yeah it's one of the again i think i mentioned it in the commentary i would absolutely love for nolan to do what they did with batman 89 and did that comic book release of like what was going to happen i would have loved that i would love for nolan to do a graphic novel of hey here's what the original plan for the dark knight rises was see i don't even know that he had even thought anything all the way through for the third film when probably, they did when, when they did the dark knight I it was think, so soon yeah because he passed heath passed literally just january of 2008 
like right before the film came out in July. So whatever ideas Nolan had for that third film at that point, I don't even think they were even on paper. They were all in his head. Yeah, probably not. So to me, the big difference in, in seeing something like that opposite something like, you know, how they did the Batman 89 continuation that continuation was rooted from a Sam Ham script. So that's why it was a lot more easier to put that out as a comic book. Whereas again, like we're talking, I don't know that, that there was anything tangible and in, 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 in writing that you could yank from to put forth in a, in a, into some other medium. Would it be a good, like, cool idea? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, it's very abundant that, you know, some people would take, you know, Snyder's Justice League parts two and three in a graphic novel form because of the fact that, you know, there is like this, these storyboards, this written form. Oh my of God. Them, yes. Right. Like yes. you could see that happening in a, in a comic novel form. And, and, and the fact that DC has done it with both Batman 89 and Superman 78 and the flash and even sooner to be with Aquaman. It's just like, yeah, you guys have absolutely zero issue doing these kind of tie-ins. So I don't understand why you wouldn't not take the opportunity to do that with your popular versions of these characters that people do and will pay money for. But yeah, I, I mean, hell you've, you've got these, you've got these stellar animation studios, let mm-hmm. them do it. Bring Zack Snyder's justice league sequels to life in animated form. I wouldn't mind that, but I also think that there are just some purists out there and, and there are one or two that I am very good friends with and I understand their perspective on it where they, they they do not want to see the continuation unless it's promised in the way that it was intended, live action, which I, I respect, again. Sure. But yeah. I also under, am, am fully aware that, like, you know, we're, we're past kind of the point where it's feasible enough for those actors to come do that. Absolutely. I, I mean, granted, right now, if there was, like, a deal that happened overnight or whatever where... You know, Snyder comes back and he gets to finish his thing Elseworld style, and Gunn still gets to do his universe, whatever. Sure, that's that's miracle work right there, but it's the reality is it's not the case. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. So, I think at this point, you know, the storyboards are there. They're online. They're you know they're well documented of what Snyder wanted to do. You can very yeah. easily just imagine in your head, like, okay. Yeah, I see this happening with these versions of these characters and, you know, Eisenberg's Luthor builds the Legion of Doom and, you know, Darkseid comes and conquers and Lois Lane dies and yeah, that, that okay, I get it. I'm cool. Green Lantern gets his arm ripped off. It doesn't get his arm ripped off. It gets it blown off. Blown off, that's right. It gets it yep. blown off because Superman superheats the yeah. ring on <laughs> his finger and then blows it up. It's great, great idea. How much you want to bet Jeff Johns hated that? Oh, I'm 100% sure. <laughs> and the fact he hated that makes me happy. Yep. Because <laughs> I don't care what Jeff Johns thinks. <laughs> and you shouldn't either, everybody. Anyway. Yep. Um, no, like, like when it comes to stuff that's either going to wind up being in a movie or not in a movie, stuff that happened, didn't happen. Michael Keaton's Batman killing is just one of those things that I was just like, yep, that tracks. Yep, it happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, wow, that was. I'll talk about the Phantasm. Could you have seen the Phantasm work in, in Burton Schumacher era? I don't think so, personally. No, I don't. I think because of the the, the backstory and the connections and stuff, uh, I think tonally, I don't think the Phantasm would have worked. You could argue that Ben Affleck had a Phantasm. 
Yeah, true. Because there is that line of dialogue from Alfred. Yeah. One, like, the thing is, if if the Phantasm ended up in the Schumacher-verse, I, as I hate to say it, it would have been a Bane situation. It would have been the Phantasm in character, like, I'm, within the costume, but it would not be the same character. I'm trying very hard to imagine the most popular redhead in the 90s who would have played Andrea Beaumont. Mm. Because it would have been like a three-way fight between Phantasm, Batgirl, and Poison Ivy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. But, yeah, those are my two uh, honorable mentions. Uh, My other honorable mention, this one's just, again, it's kind of a fun one, but also part of my opinion on it. Um, Catwoman. Because Selena Kyle in The Dark Knight Rises, I hate Catwoman in that film. You do not like Anne Hathaway as Catwoman in that movie? I think she does fine as a, like in the role, mm-hmm. but that's not Catwoman. You can't just put little hat, like ear things on her head and be like, all right, that's Catwoman. She doesn't even own a goddamn cat in the movie. You know what? You're right. She doesn't own a cat. She, she doesn't own a goddamn cat in that movie. I don't know. I just, she did not come across as Catwoman to me through that entire film. She just came across as a lackey of Bane. I think, you know, they showcased a little bit of, of her thievery, but definitely not Kinda. enough. But definitely yeah, not I enough to, to make an impression, right? Like, it wasn't it wasn't so focused, like, in the Batman with Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Which I, is I, funny, I, because that role gets so much... I, I've seen people say, like, oh, man, she's a terrible Catwoman, because look at that that hood that she wears that has the cat Ugh. ear that's so dumb that criticism and i'm so sitting there stupid. going i'm sorry she evokes the character so much more Dude. than what they did in the dark knight rises okay visually she looks like she was drawn but like zoe kravitz's selena kyle looks dead on like yeah. jim lee's version of of selena kyle straight up yep right down to the leather suit with the circle zipper one hundred percent, dude. Like her version of Selena Kyle to me is like the, the most perfect one on screen, because Matt Reeves showcased her ability to be a cat burglar, her ability yep. to be seductive and slightly manipulative, but mm-hmm. also just very, very seductive and very even vulnerable in certain situations, and having that push and pull relationship with Batman. Like I, I of of the three between Pfeiffer, Hathaway, and Kravitz, I will pick Kravitz every single time, even though I love yep. Michelle Pfeiffer in the role. Yeah, mine definitely goes Kravitz, Pfeiffer, and Hathaway at the bottom because I just I don't know I even back when when I first saw The Dark Knight Rises and I was just overtaken with just uh, at the time when that film came out and I was just like man this movie's amazing and all that even back then I was still like man, I really do not like their interpretation of Catwoman. You know, there is another... I'll, I'll go ahead and do my number five because I think this villain would have absolutely served well in Nolan's world, and that's the Penguin. Yep, I got that on my list. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, see? Is, is it your number five, though? Uh, it was... Uh, actually, yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, that makes it easier. I was looking at my list because I, I forgot my, my honorable mentions were in there, too. Yeah. Okay. He was my five. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that between um some of the bigger names like Maroney and uh Falcone 
and then Daggett mm-hmm. in the third film, I'm actually kind of surprised that that no one abstained from using Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah, that's why I was so surprised about it too. Like you've got like the major criminal characters and his focus, as you can tell in these films, like the criminal element is a major factor throughout all three, you know, Dark Knight movies. And the fact that Cobblepot's not in there is just really surprising. Yeah, right. I'm 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 genuinely kind of shocked that that was one character he omitted from including in that world. Because I th- again, like he he's you know if you kind of take the the Colin Farrell approach that they did for the Batman, have him kind of be this gangster. I feel like that could have worked in that world. Um, you could have maybe taken a more freakish route like the Joker, but I don't see Nolan kind of doing that. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, I definitely think the Penguin would have would have been a serve in this in this world for sure. Meow. Yeah, that was Gareth. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it. He's. I, I thought I closed my door, but I guess he must have been in here already. I am totally leaving that in. <laughs> he wanted to give his opinion. Indeed. Well, you know, he heard us talking about Catwoman. Yeah. Okay. And he well, agrees with Dad. So. <laughs> okay. We both have Penguin as five. Who's your four? Uh, four for me. So this is a character that I don't know like a whole lot about. I mean, I know the general storyline, but I think would work in this film. Uh, Hush. Ooh. Okay. I think to get Nolan's kind of interpretation of the Hush storyline would have been very interesting for for one of the films. Maybe not the beginning. Maybe not the end. But somewhere in those Nolan movies, I think Hush would have been a really intriguing villain. I actually almost think you could take out Bane and do Hush. Oh, one. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That would have been way better, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Well, Tommy Elliott is where Bruce Wayne is Batman, so I feel like there's something that yep. you, you could use in, in, in a, from an advantage standpoint. But, yeah, I didn't even think to put, put Hush on my list because, you know, yep. obviously there's the one story, like Jim Lee and Jeff yep. Lopes, Hush. That's a great, that's a great story. But yeah, you know, I think Hush could work in, in, in Nolan's franchise. He's not on my list, though, but that's a good pull. Um, my number four is, it, in, in, in ways that you could not see Mr. Freeze, this was my consolation to not getting Mr. Freeze. Because obviously, you know, I, I think after Arnold took on the role, probably any filmmaker looking at Batman was like, yeah, I'm not doing Mr. Freeze. Yeah. So, um... No, my four is not Mr. Freeze, because, I, again, I think that character is just one that I think Nolan, if he was going to do it, I think there there would have to be some serious, like, scientific approach to it. I think there'd have to be some, like, you know, cryogenic or, like, uh, um, what's, what's, what's the other word? Um, hydrogen, not hydrogen. Um, um, <sighs> Nitro-liquid nitrogen liquid something like mm. that like, yeah. it, it would have to be really rooted in reality and i think i i truly think that there's a better chance of mr free showing up in matt reeves universe than i do nolan but the cat the what i will give for nolan that i think absolutely can work firefly oh shoot i have him on my list too <laughs> is it at number four? Oh wait no your number four was hush so yeah uh he was actually he was my number three so okay. i mean we can we can still might as well just chat about him now but absolutely yeah 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 i totally think firefly would have not only been a good addition 
but would have introduced some really cool aspects, I think, to that world to have a villain like that in there. Yeah, because, you know, I could definitely see, especially after, like, say The Dark Knight Rises ended differently and you get a fourth film and, like, the technology used to make the bat was, like, stolen or manufactured to to retrofit, like, a, a jetpack of sorts. you got a guy there who can, like, shoot flames from a flamethrower. And obviously the amount of fire that was in the Dark Knight trilogy, like, yeah, absolutely. I could, I could absolutely see a world or a version of Garfield Lens. Like, you could definitely easily work in, like, charred firefighter from any one of the three scenarios in Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, or The Dark Knight Rises as a background origin or a backdoor yeah. origin for that character. 100%. Yeah. And visually... Especially now, now that I'm thinking about it, like, imagine if he was the villain in the third film with hush maybe he yeah, yeah like he like firefly becomes the more extreme like he after everything that the joker did to gotham city firefly believes in the chaos that joker wanted to invoke and he takes it upon himself to bring that chaos after the joker's apprehended and he's manipulated by Hush to doing so too. Yep, that'd be cool. Yeah, and Hush uses him to spread the chaos that that Hush needs so that he can take down Batman. I would just like to let everyone know, listening, that we are not trying to retroactively rewrite The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, not at all. This this is just like a, these are all like what if scenarios. Like what if they were in there? Right. And how right, could right, you right. make those villains work? Right. And I think the, the, there's precedent for using more than one villain in a movie if you can do it smartly I mean look at Spider-Man No Way Home yeah or even like you know across the Spider-Verse or whatever um yeah I, I think visually Firefly could have been an, an interesting character I mean you know Nolan's not one for you know shying away from stuff like that like you can be practical with fire and you know Firefly was the intended villain for the now scrapped Batgirl film yeah which would have been played by Brendan Fraser, and then he ended up winning the Oscar for The Whale, so Warner Brothers really screwed the pooch with that film. Yep. But that's that's neither here nor there yet. My, um, that's my four and Craig's three. My number three is Black Mask. Gosh dang it, that was my number two. <laughs> here we go. Because again, like, the criminal element part. Yeah. Like, Black Mask would totally work. Absolutely. Like, if you, if you did not have the opportunity to use either um, Falcone, Maroney, mm-hmm. Daggett, any one of them, yeah, you could absolutely see Roman Sionis being an antagonist in this world. Or even, I mean, uh, again, not trying to rewrite the films or anything, but, like, with Falcone out and Maroney out from the first two films, you have Black Mask coming in trying to become the next, you know, criminal leader. Okay. <laughs> I know we just said we didn't want to rewrite The Dark Knight Rises, but <laughs> what if Black Mask, Bankrolled, Hush, and Firefly? And Firefly? Oh, yep. man. All so that he could take over Gotham. Mm-hmm. Or become, like, the new criminal mm-hmm. overlord. Mm-hmm. And then Hush kills him. Just like yeah, Bane killed Daggett. Yep. Yeah. Definitely see that working, but no, seriously, like I, I could see a version of of Black Mask existing, not quite like a Ewan McGregor's Black Mask, but in that same kind of sadistic ballpark. Yeah, like I, I could absolutely see uh, 
him not necessarily being inspired by the Joker, but like kind of just just taking some cues from that level of of unhinged chaos, but also kind of keeping it in the shadows, like like how Two Face did. Yeah, no, that would totally work. Matter of fact, I could even see a a, a different story in in a third part where where Two Face survives and is in a gang war with Black Mask or Turf War, if you will. And even Penguin yeah. could be included in that too, if you if you want. Yeah, absolutely. So, if your number two is Black Mask, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess your number one Deathstroke. No, actually, oh, okay. my number one is something that we actually talked about in the commentary. Um, Riddler. Okay, well, Deathstroke is my number two. Riddler is my number one. So I'm just going to go ahead and go. talk about Deathstroke yeah. right now. Yeah, go for it. Because. Um, and I did. I debated between Deathstroke. I think when I was making my list, Deathstroke was initially in there, and I think I swapped him out for. I think that's when I swapped him out for Firefly. Yeah, I think Deathstroke could have worked in this. Truthfully, um, I think you can kind of take a, a, a Bane route to it, but you can also do it in a way where, like, you know what if Slade Wilson was one of the people that Bruce Wayne ran into in his ventures leading him back to Gotham City? Oh, yeah, very true. Because, you know, Christian Bale didn't do any kind of... There wasn't any kind of de-aging technology for Batman Begins when they when they did flashbacks. And it's, it's a little Arrow-ish, but it's not mm-hmm. quite the same. It's just that I think that you could get away with having a Bruce Wayne and a Slade Wilson cross pass at some point in the Middle East before they become Batman and Deathstroke. Yeah, very true. Because, you know, these are two two men on, on two different sides of the same coin. They're both, you know, pretty well off financially, but they're both superbly trained by superb assassins and whatnot. So their pass, at least to me, I could see that working in this world. Yeah. The only thing I think that would bum me out having Deathstroke in the Nolan verse is just kind of what we talked about in the commentary. Given the way he shoots fight scenes, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know if the 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 dream, you know, being able to see Deathstroke and Batman have a live action brawl, I think would get diminished just and again, not to discredit Nolan, but it's just like eh, his hand-to-hand combat scenes just never really pan out that well. That's fair. That's a fair criticism, too, and I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right, but I also think that there is room there where, had he included a villain like Deathstroke, you'd almost wonder if he would approach the action differently than he did with, like, Bane or Joker. Yeah, because, again, you do kind of see it as the films progress. Like, the first Batman Begins terrible action scenes i'm sorry like okay <laughs> the, the fight scenes in that movie are awful i think the 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 roundabout fight on the docks is 50 mm-hmm. 50 i think it's got some good sequences in it but i think it's also edited like trash yeah it's not very good but um the dark op- night the opening fights improves. it's it gets better yeah yeah, Dark Knight. I remember we talked about it in the commentary for the Dark Knight. That the fight sequence, like when he's in, um, was it China Hong or Kong. Japan? Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah, when he's in Hong Kong, that fight scene looks great. Yeah, they pull it back, 
And like you said, even though it's in the dark, it's lit enough that you can see what's going on. Yeah, and I think a lot of the the bigger misfire for some of the action in The Dark Knight Rises is that there there's it's just Batman fighting in broad daylight with snow, and that's just not very appealing. Yep. So. And even like the final confrontation, like yes, it is cool at the end of you know that final battle in The Dark Knight Rises. It is awesome that they have all of these extras in this like big battle. Mm-hmm. But that also kind of diminishes the fight between Batman and Bane because then they're just kind of lost in this hodgepodge of all these people fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, it's in broad daylight. So it's like, yeah, this is neat. I'm getting to watch Batman and Bane fight one another, but it's in broad daylight and they're just kind of tussling around with everybody else. Yeah, I think that if Deathstroke had been chosen as... Because truthfully, you could swap out Deathstroke for Bane and you get a near similar story. Yeah. Right, like you you could easily see a version of The Dark Knight Rises where Deathstroke shows up and basically claims Gotham for his own and tortures Bruce Wayne Batman throughout the entirety of the movie until it ends with a one-on-one fight between the two. Maybe even make it what if they tried just like how they tied Bane back to Batman Begins yes what if Deathstroke was one of the like disciples one of the guys that was there when Bruce left the uh, League of Shadows see and he's and he comes back for vengeance against Bruce I thought about that but then that also again just feels I if I was doing the Dark Knight Rises I wouldn't necessarily have Deathstroke be a part of that. I would actually make it a different clan or a different faction that went to war with the League of Shadows. It would be someone else. It would, oh, be, okay. it would be different. It would be maybe part of like Lady Shiva's crew or assassin. Like that was his master. The way the, mm, the way okay. that in the way yeah. that Rachel Ghoul was was Bruce's master. Like that's kind of the way I would kind of I I would kind of do it. But that you know that's that's just moi. But yeah. I'm I'm not Nolan because obviously he went with with a different route in mind. He, you know, he's he's an auteur filmmaker. He he decided to tell a story that was definitely more rooted in Bruce Wayne's sphere, not Batman's. Yeah. Which I completely yeah. understand now as an adult more so than I did when I was a younger snobbish comic book nerd. Yeah. But yeah, Deathstroke for me personally. Um, but I I do see the the hesitation especially with the action. I wonder if, you know what really sucks is like the one time we get Batman and Deathstroke, it's from the one guy who couldn't finish it and probably would make it look badass. Oh my God. Snyder doing Batman versus Deathstroke. Yep. I mean, um, I'll throw my money at the screen right now. I mean, just yes, please. I'm telling you, man, like that, that could have been, that would have been a fight for the ages. Yep. That would have been like gladiator level. Like, we need to see this in the theater. Yep. So, we already kind of cats out of the bag. Our number one is Riddler. Yep. Yeah. Ironic, too, because again, we don't talk about these lists prior to recording. So, I think it's just, it's ironic that both of us landed on the Riddler as our number one. I mean, to be brutally honest with you, I kind of expected that to happen. Yeah. Same. <laughs> After what we talked about in the commentary. Right. Because the, the, the setup is all there for yep. that for that character to be a version of the Riddler in this in this universe. And even then if even if you don't want to go down the the Mr. Reese route, 
I just think that 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 Nolan being the the director that he is with like the likes of Inception, with the likes of Memento, mm-hmm. with Prestige, it's like, dude, Riddler is totally in your box. Yep. It's just like I I'm baffled that that was the one villain he left out. Yeah. In this in this world where you've got these characters, these villains, their goal is to break this city. I mean, even you know, Scarecrow wanted to just, you know, he was kind of helping out Ra's al Ghul, but he did want to spread his fear toxin and just wreck Gotham City. Joker was all about chaos. Bane, following in the vein of Ra's al Ghul, wanted to destroy Gotham. So you have someone like the Riddler who could come in and he just wants, maybe it's revenge, maybe he's again, kind of that setup that they did in the Dark Knight. He's angry that you know he thought he had batman where he wanted him he thought he was going to be able to oust him and they turned on him Mm -hmm. and like you said and like we talked about in the commentary batman ends up saving him from getting killed well as for a narcissist that's just going to piss him off yeah you know i think that when you look at batman begins and how the villains operated like you had Scarecrow and you had Rachel Ghoul and there was a giant theme of fear and then mm-hmm. you have you know the Joker and you know that whole theme with chaos then you get to the Dark Knight Rises and there's a theme of control mm-hmm. with Bane right I feel like if you still wanted to maintain a theme of control and even like Nolan, I think Nolan has even been quoted saying he wanted to push Batman to his physical and mental limits. And when he approached the character of Bane, he wanted to be he wanted the character to be more closer to Nightfall in terms of depiction, in terms of intellect, in terms of ferocity, in terms of tactility, and being a yeah. a, a, a strategist, which I do appreciate quite a bit. And even Tom Hardy's performance with the use of his eyes really really sold that well. But I yeah. think I think if you still wanted to maintain a, 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 a theme of control, there is a version of, of the Riddler that you can see him just absolutely taking total control over Gotham City by means of, you know, the Internet, by means of, you know, cellular towers. By Basically, what if Mr. Reese, what if he had found that sonar technology that Fox... And it against them. Yes, yep. exactly. And that's how yep. we figured out Bruce Wayne's Batman. Well, yep. he didn't need to, actually, because he already knew. Like, he already that, knew. That, that's just it. I don't even know why I said that, but yeah. like, it, If he already knew that Bruce Wayne is Batman, like that, that if there was one person who could showcase any kind of control over Gotham City in that kind of way, and just mm-hmm. like even hold the city hostage in certain respects, like, could you imagine if he... If he if, if they had that version of the Riddler where he's kind of doing what he did in the Batman. Yeah. But not necessarily political figures. It's just random people. Yeah. And like, you have to solve this riddle or this person in this location is going to like lose a limb or something, or they're going to like be financially drained of all they have. Like you have to stop this riddle from happening or this person suffers from some some way, shape or form. And it doesn't even have to be anyone big. It's just like normal ass people in Gotham city. Well, and he does that because he knows that that's who Batman is trying to protect. He's trying to protect the common citizen of Gotham. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah, I think the Riddler is the Riddler, Penguin, like basically anyone we listed off can absolutely work in this world except Condiment King. <laughs> Baby doll. <laughs> I mean, that one's for you, Terrence. That, that's that's for you. <laughs> I, I did that one strictly for Terrence because I know how much for... he adores that character. I almost said, actually, you know, there were, there was actually a list of characters that I have that absolutely I don't think couldn't work, like uh, mm-hmm. Killer Croc. Poison Ivy, Mister Freeze, Man Bat, like I, I don't think Christopher Nolan had any any desire to touch any of those characters. Yeah, uh, one of the ones I had that I mean I absolutely know wouldn't work, but just I the way I interpret it would be a little different. Um, Scarface, mm. Mm. because mm. imagine like a kind of like a jigsaw esque murderer or someone who was wronged by the mob yeah and takes it upon themselves to wipe out crime but uses this scarface doll as a representation of what they're trying to enact against the mob well really i would actually take it a step further because the whole deal with scarface is is you know there's there's this trauma rooted for arthur wesker that that you know he he legitimately thinks the doll is real is alive yeah right and you could you could see like what if he had been you know a cohort of you know gamble maroney like what if he went through all of them right like what if what if what if what if wesker was just this goon for all of them and his coping mechanism was like you know he talked to a doll that he thought he could confide in that was his real boss and then he started hearing the voices of that and that became his boss and then he eventually becomes his own like mob boss and he becomes Scarface, but it's not him; it's the doll. Yeah, yeah, it's the doll. Yeah, there we go. Like I, I could see version of Scarface working too. I don't even know how we missed that. Well, when it comes to Batman villains, Scarface is usually one of those ones where it's like, oh yeah, remember he's one of the, mm-hmm. he's just one of those villains where it's like, oh yeah, he does exist. Yeah, um, it's one of those like you remember him strictly. I think from the design that was in the animated series. I think that's really all people kind of remember about him. I also think that there's a version of uh, Mad Hatter. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, be yep. it, you could do Mad Hatter in, in either kind of setting. You could have it be fantastical. You'd have it be realistic. Uh, one of them that I was going to do an honorable mention, um, I think another one that could have worked, uh, Hugo Strange. I'm surprised neither one of us had Harley Quinn on our list. Yeah. But I didn't then, even think of that. Then again, <laughs> I don't really think Ledger's Joker needed one. No, I don't think so. I think he was a, a, a chaos engine all on his own. He didn't necessarily need anything else to amplify that. Yeah, I don't think Ledger's Joker would have wanted a Harley Quinn. To be honest, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't want any. I mean, look at that film. He did pretty much everything on his own. I mean, yes, he had goons and stuff, but those are just people he manipulated. Exactly. He manipulates everybody. And yep. it would be, you know, if anything, Harley Quinn would be would be able to showcase that kind of flaw in the Joker, that he actually doesn't, yeah. that he does have it in him to not kill somebody. Yep. I think That there's could... someone that he's capable of wanting to be around him. Right. And... I think that it could be, had Heath Ledger not passed away, I think that's something you probably could have maybe done with in yeah, a third film. Sure. Maybe. Just maybe. Yeah. But I think we're going to see something interesting from, from Todd Phillips and Joker Folia do with uh, Lady Gaga. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I can't wait to see what that's going to end up being. You know, if there's one DC film that has it pretty easy next year, it's probably that one. Yep. Because as it stands right now, um, the film doesn't release until October of next year. So by the time all of this strike stuff either ends or doesn't end, there's no way it gets pushed back. No. Right? Yeah. The marketing for it probably won't start until, I don't know, March, April of next year. And you have to imagine yeah, that this I'm film... I'm thinking we'll get a tra- one more... Uh, we'll get like a full trailer or something maybe by the end of this year, early next year. Yeah, I'm guessing like early next year, like April, like mid... mid uh mid-spring beginning of, beginning of summer like that that's what i think is the first trailer might show um i can't imagine this budget being over a hundred million dollars because the first one barely yeah. had one of like a 60 million dollar budget so i can't imagine that doing this on top of kind of being a musical and having it wrap as fast as it did i there's no yep. way this film has a budget of over a hundred million dollars and if it does at best it's it probably won't exceed 150 that's just yeah, I would say I would say one twenty five, one fifty is like the absolute like max I think I th- you could hit. I think I think at best it's going to be like one hundred and ten, one hundred twenty five million dollars. I think I think that's, yeah, I think that's his budget personally. Because yeah, if if you've got you know if this musical element is going to be in there, I mean you got to imagine there's going to be some probably some lavish production costs to it. I mean, if anything, the the most expensive thing about it would probably be. The, the, the set design and the aesthetic mm-hmm. and, the, and the world yep. because it's taking place in like you know alternate like 1980s yep so yeah yeah I don't know Joker Folio do is going to be a, an interesting one to see what happens with that because you know this is coming from the guy who said they weren't going to do a sequel but obviously when you make a billion dollars <laughs> yeah money talks so yeah, yeah for real um I also don't foresee any villains getting that kind of Joker treatment either. I know that that was that's also the wrong lesson that people have taken away with like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like I, I saw that Mattel and Warner wants to like do a whole Mattel universe, and it's like no, yeah, no. And I and I think I thought I saw something that Greta Gerwig was like, I I don't have any plans for a sequel. Yeah, it's like fair point. Like not every, you don't need a, an expanded universe for everything. Now, I think that Todd Phillips explicitly said, I don't want to do a sequel unless I have something to say, but he yeah. very clearly came up with something to say. Yep. So. And I mean, the fact that Harley Quinn is in there, then you've got to imagine he's probably going to have something to say about toxic relationships, I would imagine. You'd have to think, right? Like the, And... Um, I also saw recently that that allegedly from someone on set close to the film, like uh, one of the producers, that they mentioned that that Gaga decided or not decided, but that she preferred and asked to be called Lee on the set of the film. So if I think anything, I think mm. this this version of Harley Quinn isn't necessarily going to be called Harley. I think, yeah, I think you know she's probably going to be more like Lee. I mean, because obviously you know this version of the Joker is not Jack Napier. He's not Jack White. He's not Joe Carr. He's Arthur Fleck. Like it's it's a yep. different personality. And I think we're going to yep. get some of that here too with with her version of Harley Quinn. Hmm. Interesting. I I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Well, I think that that kind of does it for our forty uh, seventh. Is it forty seven? Yeah, we're on episode forty seven. Yeah three more to 50 and then 50 more to 100 (laughs) 
Do you think Sky's we'll, the limit. Do you think we'll get to a hundred before our three year anniversary? Uh it's possible. This is very possible, isn't it? I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. I mean we did we did fifty in two years, but Yeah. We're being more consistent now. now so. Yeah, but yeah, like we've talked about, you know, we've got a more consistent schedule now. You know, things are kind of aligning a lot more smoothly. So yeah, I could see it happening. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe we try and do one get to a hundred episodes before a three year anniversary. Yeah. But uh you know, chime in anyone if y'all feel like there are any villains that you think could work in Christopher Nolan's world or could not have worked, rather, you know, feel free to send us an email eternalnightpod at gmail.com we'll happily read it out loud or you can you know tweet at or not even tweet you can post at us on the X app because <laughs> oh, that's God. what that, that's what Twitter's called now X send, send us your X's God that sounds so stupid it's ridiculous it's goofy it's nonsensical <laughs> and, and you know what this application is going to die the same way MySpace did yep but you can also feel free to, you know, interact with us on Facebook and as well as Instagram at TK yep. underscore podcast. Uh, you can feel free to follow myself um, on any socials, be it, you know, threads, Vero, X, Facebook, uh, just at unfiltered. As Craig, I, I know you also have some socials you'd like to get out of the way now as well. Yeah, uh, I'm on uh, Instagram. It's uh, Craigie, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y underscore Omega, O-M-E-G-A. Um, I did have a Vero, but to try to make things align a little better. So my Vero was just Craigie Omega. But then when I created my Instagram account, they said that having that together was profane. So I had to put the uh, underscore in there. Mm -hmm. So I think I went ahead and I deleted my Vero and I'm going to do a new one and put the underscore in there just so that everything kind of aligns the same. So I don't have to be like, well, on this one, underscore, this one, no underscore. I'm going to try to just keep everything the same. That's good. I mean, it's it. the only difference that I have for my handle is on my PlayStation account. Everywhere else it's one L. It's U N P H I L T E R E D D D on literally everything. Be it my Twitch, my Instagram, my Threads, my X, everything. Like it's unfiltered. Yeah. But my PlayStation, my PSN, when I did unfiltered with one L, it was like name already taken. I was like, there's no way. Oh, uh, so <laughs> there's I, someone out there. Yep. So I had to do it with two L's on my oh, PSN. That sucks. Yeah. So I just checked. Yeah, my Threads is the has the underscore in it so yeah i'm just so trying to get to. everything okay. aligned to be the same okay yeah i'll make sure of that in the show notes um and yeah yeah by all means feel free to you know leave us a review on apple podcast itunes whatever your podcasting preferences uh craig and i will be back sometime soon with probably more batman the animated series talk and whatever else yep. batman news decides to grace our feeds um by all means everyone stay safe keep it classy in the cave Take care, what have a great do, day or night, whatever all your moments is. You see, I'm a guy of Take care. taste. I enjoy uh, dynamite, gunpowder, and gasoline. What's it? And you know the thing that they have in common? They're cheap. I want to know how much they're paying you to say who Batman really is. This is our chance. I want Lau alive. The Joker? Either way.
Hey, Jim, get a load of this. Let's take the next caller. Harvey Dent didn't want to give in to this maniac. Do you think you know better than him? I think that if we could talk to Dent today, he may feel differently. Um, and we wish him a speedy recovery. As God knows, we need him now. Sergio Romano should work. Oh, I am. I'm only burning my half. All you care about is money. This town deserves a better class of criminals. And I'm gonna give it to them. Tell your men they work for me now. This is my city. They won't work on a freak. Why don't we cut you up into little pieces and feed you to your pooches? Hmm? And then we'll see how loyal a hungry dog really is. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Everything burns. You know, it's funny. I don't really know what to make of these projections for Blue Beetle because, number one, I haven't seen where these numbers have come from. I that's what I yeah I can't find anything where like where are you getting this exactly and and also it's important to keep in mind that these same people lowballed Oppenheimer and Barbie oh true like yeah. they lowballed Barbie for like a 70 million dollar opening and they lowballed Oppenheimer for 30 million dollars now granted the Barbie Oppenheimer Barbenheimer situation just has the novelty of being that in and of itself no one expected it. Stuff. No, yeah. no one expected it to blow up the way that it did. No pun intended. Um, Blue Beetle. Again, I'm not expecting something like Barbie or Oppenheimer, but I would also like to reiterate on a couple different fronts. This is the first Latino-led superhero film. Number one. Number two. Uh-huh. It's debuting in the middle of August, tail end of August, whatever. It's the last summer summer movie. You know, it's got a lot of stiff competition between uh, the Meg Part 2 and that Dracula vampire movie that takes place on a boat. Like, and and apparently another film called Strays. Like, these box office analysts lowballed Blue Beetle for a $17 million opening, and they're giving this movie Strays, like, something of, like, a $20, $25 million opening. I'm like, you really don't (laughs) understand. Like, you're an analyst. Wait, wait, the art, wait. Strays? Are you are the, we the, talking the, the R rated dog movie? Yeah, and they re- and they think it's gonna make like twenty five million in its opening weekend. I'm like, really? Oh my god! Get out of here with that! It's it's laughable. Now look, Shazam didn't do well. Flash, sure, bombed. Oh yeah, you can't sit here and tell me that that there are there is a, an air in the theater going community that look at DC films and they either say. I'll wait till streaming or I don't have interest because they know what's coming next. They know that something else different is happening because James Gunn has very publicly made that clear. Right. So it's just, it's really, really, I, I, I really feel bad for blue beetle. I feel bad for the cast because they can't promote this film because of the SAG after strikes. It's just a really big tornado of unfortunate timing. But I'm hopeful that since this is, again, the first Latino-led superhero film, that that community will come out in support for this film in the same way that Black Panther did for the black community, in the same way the Asian community did for Shang-Chi. You know, Mm -hmm. we we have to acknowledge that the the theater-going 
landscape has changed. Like streaming is a factor. People are very easily going to be very pick and choose about what they want to watch at home and what they're going to go out for a theater for. Movies need to feel like big events. Like they need to go see this film in either the biggest screen possible or just in a movie theater in general because they cannot miss it. Like Barbenheimer. Yeah. People wanted to participate in a double feature about one movie featuring the creation of the atom bomb and another movie about the you know, famous toy that has been here for years and finally has a live action film. Like those yeah, two a things. Movie, a movie they've been literally trying to make for like years. I think decades. Decades. At this point. Like people have been like wondering why has there never been a live action Barbie movie? Well, when you factor in the leads like Margot Robbie and Brian Gosling and with the way the movie was made, granted Craig and I haven't seen the film, but even still like it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's getting all the praise and for all the right reasons. Yeah, but as far as Blue Beetle goes, I'm hopeful, but I would I would just it wouldn't shock me if things just wound up being disappointing because that is, that is that is the trend this year. But I'm I'm hoping that's not the case for this one. It also has the smallest budget of the DC films, so the return on investment, you know, small risk, small reward. That's yeah. usually the the rule of thumb, right? But since again, like since this film is what it is like it's is it a superhero origin film yeah you can you could argue that we've seen that before i think the novelty Mm -hmm. that this film has is like it's it's got the fact that we've never seen a blue beetle film before it's fresh in that and it's also gonna be interesting to see how you have a kid who basically has like an iron spider suit that he has almost 50 percent control of so how does that yeah. work, right? Like, that's not Spider-Man. That's not Iron Man. He doesn't have full and total control. So he, his big battle is, how do I control this thing I can't fully control? This thing that literally makes whatever he can think of, he can create. Not only that, the the, the, the Scarab does protect the host by any means necessary. So it's, it's yeah. important to keep that in mind. I think this is also, if, you, if you're familiar with the character of Jaime Reyes, like, this film feels really faithful to who he is. The only difference is, like they spend a lot of the comics in the comics and in the you know the animation he's obviously not going to tell his family that he's blue beetle for you know storytelling purposes well and, and yeah i i think when it comes that's, to that's, see, that's all shown right off the bat in the trailer <laughs> yeah that's my point like it, when it comes to these live action adaptations i don't think you can approach the whole secret identity thing it, it, with certain characters in the same way that you could say you know spider-man batman whatever like i think when it comes to a character like blue beetle you can kind of get away with it and have oh sure like this teenage kid like has a, an alien scarab attached to his back and you see it in the trailer that his whole family knows i think that's a pretty important thing yeah i don't know for me the the trailers and stuff for blue beetle it very much gives me at least it gives me like original iron man vibes yeah like we got to remember back in those days you know when iron man came out there was no you know there was no universe yes we got the tease at the end that the avengers were going to become a thing we had no idea what was coming from that it was an iron man story and that's what I feel like this is. It's just going to be a Blue Beetle story. It won't need to connect to anything else. Do I think Susan Sarandon has like a, you know, awkward place in this movie? Maybe, but I'm yeah. not, you know, that, that's just it, right? Like, is she playing the Obadiah? Is she playing more of an Obadiah Stane from Iron Man 1? Or is she going to wind up being more of a Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2? I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really give much of a shit because I like Susan Sarandon. I'm, I'm there. 
yeah. I'm there for this movie for a lot of different reasons. I'll be there day one. Uh, okay, so I did find those projections are coming from Box Office Pro. Yep. Box Office Pro. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen a few they're other. Predict- yeah, they're predicting between 12 to 17 million in its opening weekend, and that they predict the film will only gross between 27 to 55 million in its entire theatrical run. I have a really hard time believing that. Because, Me too. Because, that just, I mean, yes, well, some of these movies well, have failed. But well, here's the reason just... why. Here's the reason why, Craig. They've shown Blue Beetle in front of nearly every WB production they've had leading through the summer, and that includes Barbie and probably, no, actually, no. I didn't get it before Oppenheimer. But then again, that was universal, and it's also an R-rated film. So, of course, they probably weren't going to showcase Blue Beetle in front of that. But I've seen Blue Beetle in front of every Marvel movie I saw this summer, and I promise you I saw it in front of The Flash. So mm-hmm. it played in front of Barbie. I've heard that from a couple different people. The people who saw Barbie probably saw the Blue Beetle trailer. And I yeah. know I've seen clips from that movie on television. They've done. There are people saying this film isn't being marketed as well as the other films, and it's like, okay... That's debatable because, again, this film has a smaller budget than The Flash and a smaller budget than Shazam! Fury of the Gods. So, yeah, the yeah. marketing budget for this film probably close to non-existent. But even still, you can't sit here and tell me it doesn't exist because this film is being marketed in front of a lot of the big players. So, yeah. And, again, is the superhero genre kind of, like, starting to stumble? Yeah, I will acknowledge that. But I think in mm-hmm. terms of what people want to see, they want to see something new and exciting. I think Blue Beetle has that novelty going for it. But it ultimately, we're going to find out what happens to it in less than a month. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there day one to see it. One hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not not going to show up for that. Like, like it, that, that's always been the novelty of the DC films for me. Is that finally, it's no longer just a Batman and Superman world. Yep. So we're going to hey, see the first. We're going to see the first DCU character, just not the first DCU movie. Whatever <sighs> sense that makes. <laughs> And that's just it. You know, I was talking, it might, it might have been on the vodka stream. Yeah, yeah, I think we were talking about this last night on the vodka stream. I think I'm, it was either that or I, I was talking to this with, with Travis before we did uh, Animation Nation. Um, basically, I think Walter Hamada didn't talk enough, and I think James Gunn talks too much. I think if you're going to be a studio head, you have to know when to navigate your PR and what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And honestly, I think of the two, you know, and this is probably really unfair because one guy's been in his job for well over 15 years. The other guy's been in his job for less than six months. Yeah. At the same time, one guy worked under the other guy for 10 years. So at some point you kind of have to, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that Kevin Feige has been very, very good at being coy and knowing when to tease things and when not to say anything at all. And honestly, he's he's even smarter for steering offline and not feeding into trolls bullshit and debunking shit left and right. He doesn't yeah. need to, and I'm glad he doesn't. Whereas James Gunn, it, you know, he, he he's publicly said, like, "Oh yeah, I love doing that." And I'm just like, you know, that's something that's something a director would say, right? Like that's something a writer yeah. can say, right? And at this point I'm like yeah you're you're a director you're a writer you're also now like a studio head yeah you're the head of an, an entire the, studio now <laughs> right you know there's there's got to be a level of professionalism that I think comes with that and and I I think personally he kind of lacks that but you know 
It's also it's a learning experience. I mean, True. like you said, six months in the role. So True. And and I've seen less and less of it from him. And honestly, I hope he really refrains from it going forward because let's face it, we're in a we're in a world where a lot of this information is just already being just spoiled outright by, by people yeah. who are privileged with this information and they, they, they leak it for identity clout on the internet. And that's that's yeah. the sad part. Like pe- people do not know how to just let things be surprises. Like matter of fact, I saw one of the big leakers, like you know, try and show support for for the whole SAG after a writer strike deal. He's like, you know, you need to pay your writers. Da da da. And I was just like, oh, you're full of shit. You were one hundred percent full of shit because if you actually gave a damn about these writers, about these actors, you wouldn't be leaking their projects or information yeah, about their projects months in advance before they even have time to release. Like, don't sit here and act like you're a supporter when you avidly do things to ruin their experience. Mm. I, gotta, yep. I gotta edit out that F-bomb. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that, when I saw that, that, that really just chapped my ass. I was like, there, there's you, don't, you can't sit here and act like a supporter when you don't support this industry as it is anyway. Yeah. When you, when you leak information for internet clout, you're you're not my you're not my back. I I don't care. I've got no desire to mess with you. But yeah, between Blue Beetle and Aquaman, I honestly, if if these strikes continue and they are, they're going to continue for a while. Aquaman's probably going to get moved to 2024. Yeah, I mean, again, we still haven't even seen a trailer for the damn thing. Nope. So, <laughs> and what is what was it? November or December, December it was supposed to be December they showed a trailer yeah. for Wonka they didn't show you a trailer for Aquaman that yeah. says it all yep because when it comes to promotional for movies the summertime you always more often than not have a teaser for something premiering in the winter yep especially if it's a big budget tentpole and the fact they showed Wonka and nothing for Aquaman and we also know that Aquaman went through a third round of reshoots now you have to add more work for VFX artists and this is already a big heavy VFX movie because again Aquaman takes place majorly underwater so uh-huh. you're just adding more of a workload to an already underpaid VFX artist and it is going to be really something to see what happens with Aquaman at the box office especially because it's been testing superbly poorly and I don't know I, I have absolutely zero clue what kind of tinkering James Gunn and Peter Stafford are going to do to try to make Aquaman, you know, watchable or or appeasing to the general audience because it's testing so bad. But mm. I don't know. It's dude. a shame. It is a shame. It's it's an absolute shame because like you can't you you can't sit here and give James like, the dude is the one who made you the billion dollar DCEU movie and now mm-hmm. he's getting notes from the guy who has the lowest grossing. DCEU movie in the Suicide <laughs> yeah. Squad. Now, granted, yeah. granted, that's only from a box office perspective. That is not factoring in the success, whatever success it got on HBO Max, because that's also part of the problem with why some of the actors and the writers are striking. Because, number one, these big companies aren't at all being transparent with the numbers they're getting from their streaming services. And they're yeah. also not paying these actors and writers for a fair wage in their residuals for these projects on streaming. That's a one big reason why we're seeing strikes right now because of the streaming factor. Oh yeah. I mean, how it's changed the game. 
I forget what actress it was, but she shared like screenshots of like the residuals she got from like a big show that she was a part of that uh, in regards to streaming. Mm-hmm. I think it was like thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah, dude. Some like I saw one. I saw a, a residual check Jamie Lee Curtis got for for something on streaming. It was like a zero dollar check. Wow. Yep, Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, Final Girl Lori from Halloween. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's. It... <laughs> The solution is so simple, and yet David Zaslav and Bob Iger and Tom Villa is it Villa, Tony Villa, I don't know the guy who had Sony. All of these guys are just like no, really, no. These people are the reason why you guys are billionaires in the first place, and you're not at all going to yep. give them what they want. When it's like okay, you don't want any kind of content coming out in 2024. Good job, you completely just yeah. torched your. Whole whole revenue for the first half of next year good going yep and the, yeah I, they would rather what was that one quote they would rather see them suffer or like yeah go see homeless. them uh, lose yeah lose their homes before anything can happen it's disgusting it's like i'm i think the one that disappointed me the most was bob Iger. we're talking about a guy who wrote a memoir about what it means to lead disney and how he was you know he felt bad about what he did to George Lucas from from like a business perspective. You don't see a lot of people take accountability like that more often than not, but for him to come out and say that actors and writers are being unrealistic, I'm just like, dude, you make a $29 million salary that gets yeah. a five-time increase over time in regards to bonuses. Who are you to say something like that? Yep. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It's just like, I don't avidly look at billionaires like friends or anything like that, but for you have to like at some point recognize that that they were competent enough to get where they are. Mm-hmm. But us at the same time, like they're if they're making a bad decision, it's, we have to let them know. Like that's the only way they're going to yep. learn, right? Yep. And I remember when Zaslav took over, like there when he axed Batgirl, that was a big thing, and people yep. were scared that Blue Beetle was next. But, you know, I'm sure he looked at Blue Beetle and was like, oh, no, we can't get rid of that. That's, that's, he, he probably looked at that, again, small, small, small risk, small reward. That's my yeah. guess. Because this is, if you've, if you've seen anything about David Zaslav, this dude is all about the dollars. He is all about cutting costs and he is all about making a high, huge profit off something small. And it's, 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 it's just, Oh man, hey, Blue Beetle. I'm we're there. That's 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 the bottom line. Okay. Yep. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Studios. 
If you would like to follow along with the show, you can do so. Uh, just search for T-E-K underscore podcast on X, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to listen to the show, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to leave us an email, feel free to do so. Eternal Night, pod at gmail.com. Thank you for your time.